welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me today is Court Winsett. Hello! And there's the opening bell. Court, do you know what's coming up? Don't you mean Daddy? Daddy's Day. <laughs> it is Daddy's Day. Like It is Daddy's Day. <laughs> I don't know why when y'all said that, I just pictured Daddy Daycare. Do y'all remember that with Eddie Murphy? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Of course, yeah. uh, I immediately went to Daddy Warbucks. but Oh, was, Daddy Warbucks. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, okay, let's tell everybody what we're doing. So today, obviously, we are launching the Thursday before... Father's Day. Yes. So, we, mamas, we gave you your day. Daddies, I promised y'all we y'all would get your day. So here it is. Um. So a little bit, a little history about Father's Day because I gave you history about Mother's Day. So equality, we gotta be equal, right? Yeah, absolutely. I agree and completely. So Father's Day always celebrated on the third Sunday in June. Yeah, interesting that, don't you think? That the Mother's Day is always on the second Sunday, but then when they did Father's Day, they were like, oh, we'll do that one on the third Sunday. Well, there's there's some little drama here about Father's Day, actually. Hmm. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So Spill the tea, Katie. Yes. Yeah, so it was founded in Washington at the YMCA in 1910 um, by, Court, you got to help me with names. You know, I'm horrible. Sonora Smart Dodd. Yes. Which, it's a girl. It's a girl, mm-hmm. yes. Why couldn't um, it have been founded in a Lowe's parking lot? <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, Lowe's really. Warner, so this was... You know, 1910, Lowe's wasn't around. Um, but so this girl was actually born in Arkansas, so ooh, a little Southerner in us. Mm-hmm. Okay, here, here's the tea. Here's the history. It was introduced to Congress in 1913. Mm-hmm. President Woodrow Wilson wanted to make it official, but Congress resisted. Okay, ooh. then President Coolidge tried in 1924, but it stopped short of issuing a national proclamation. Nobody likes fathers. All right. And then in 1957, Maine Senator Margaret Chase Smith wrote a proposal accusing Congress of ignoring fathers for 40 years while mothers were honored. Yeah, right. So she, I mean, I love her. She was an advocate for the dads. Finally, in 1966, President Lyndon B. Johnson issues the first presidential proclamation honoring fathers. Six years later, Nixon signed it into law, 1972, as a permanent national holiday. Yes. And of course, it's not a national holiday that anybody gets the day off for. If it were, if they wanted to really honor fathers, give us a day off from work. I guess and they make sure you give me Sunday. the big piece of chicken. I want the big piece of chicken, not the, the small cheaper chicken. Piece. okay so this episode we are going to talk about dads and we're actually going to throw in some sports because you know in my mind i always associate sports and dads Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but as usual we first we have to do our top five except guys this week you're in for not top five you're in for our other branded little session it's another session of twitter nugs And Katie and Court are so nice, they're roping me into this one because we yes. have a whole slew of tweets. Well, Cam, you're a dad, so we figured I we'd am. let you play along. I, I mean, I guess I'm the one that shouldn't be in this. It should Plus, just be you two. Who doesn't love Twitter nugs? <laughs> All right, can I kick this off? Okay, let's start. I'm going to do my best to not laugh because this list is hysterical. <laughs> All right, here we go. My kid can tell me all about a 24-minute episode of Paw Patrol in 56 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I wear a clown mask to sleep just in case one of my kids has a nightmare and comes to sleep in our bed. (laughs) I feel like you actually wrote that. I knew it was time to vacuum when the baby rolled over and looked like an everything bagel. (laughs) My youngest is being tested for the gifted program at his elementary school, and my other son thinks his toothbrush is haunted. (laughs) 
a cute thing I tell my kids when we see dead deer on the side of the road is, looks like Santa lost his temper again. <laughs> 50% of parenting is looking for things with your kids that you've already thrown away. The best thing about trying to name a baby is realizing how many people you hate. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. It's so true. My wife would bring up names. I'm like, nope, I went to high yep. school with a yep. guy with yep. that name. Yep. We're not doing it. <laughs> Did the exact same thing. Finally, when we settled on William's name, uh, it, it was it was, it was was even. Like uh, there, were, there were a whole bunch of Williams and Bills and stuff like that that I loved and a whole bunch that I hated. So it sort of balanced out. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, you've got a 50-50 shot of being yeah, good exactly. or bad. <laughs> okay, um... Uh, it's weird how we tell kids not to lie, then tell them how good the picture they drew is. Oh, <laughs> they're they're so good. Mm. I'm at my parenting best when I randomly yell out "Be careful!" every few minutes while looking up from my phone. Oh, that is so true. <laughs> Just taught my kids about taxes by eating 38 percent of their ice cream. <laughs> so true. We have something called the fry tax where I eat some of their fries. Oh, okay, yeah. it's real. Nice. That makes sense. Uh, I finally got some me time away from the kids. Two whole hours. It would have been longer, but my legs went numb from crouching behind the dryer. <laughs> I just have to tell y'all, we kind of just round robin this. I was the one that put this list together, but it is working out perfectly how it's matching up. Okay, hang on, guys. I think my toddler is getting to the good part of his four-hour-long story, and I don't want to miss it. <laughs> oh, I like this one. The Walking Dad. But it's just a guy walking around the house, turning off lights and muttering that he's not made of money. I think that also applies to like if somebody leaves the sink running too oh, long, yeah. it's like, come on, you've wasted water. Stop it. Speaking of which, one time my dad got mad at Hulk Hogan and yelled, you're wasting shirts at the TV. <laughs> I gazed upon the ocean for the first time and felt calm, like a dad staring at the yard for some reason. Oh, man, I, I really feel that on the deepest level. Okay, I mainly want to be a dad so I can tuck my shirt in at home. <laughs> it's so sad that I do that. Um, no, you don't. My, I wear I wear my shoes he's, until I go to bed. He's got I the dad uniform. Almost down. always have my shirt tucked in. That's just the way I roll. But I've been doing it since I was a teenager. I have noticed that. Like we, sorry to interrupt, but we have like our CFP class we're going to, and it's it's late at night. It's six thirty to nine thirty at night. I go home and look, come back up here looking like a homeless person with like shorts and a baggy t-shirt on. Court goes home to change, but he's still in like khakis with a belt and his shirt tucked in and a t-shirt. And like sometimes he'll throw a hat on, but it's still, he's very put together <laughs> next to my homelessness. What about no. Tevas with socks on? Nope. No, oh, absolutely man. not. That's a, that is a big <laughs> giant foul, foul, foul. Um, okay. So my next one is. My dad acts like the phone ringing is the biggest possible personal attack on him. <laughs> okay, and the last one for our Twitter nugs. My dad's favorite part of vacation is acting like he's better than everyone else because he woke up the earliest. It's true. I do that. <laughs> I do that every day of my life. Okay, well, Katie, that's the end of Twitter nugs. <laughs> That was fun. Okay, so like I said, sporting events and dads. Um, you know, I tend to associate dads and sporting events, and especially with Father's Day. Um, you know, you, you we want to talk about the finances because I think Court, uh, no, it was Cam last episode talked about how really everything and anything can be financial, and so I thought, you know, sports. Dads love sports, and you know, taking their kids to games. So let's talk about that. And i got to give you some knowledge with some numbers. So the sporting industry, as of 2018, was valued at 
$1.06 billion in U.S. dollars and is estimated to be $83.1 billion by 2023. This is composed of, you know, gate revenue, media rights, sponsorships, merchandising. That's a lot of money. Still not as much money as Jeff Bezos has by himself, but <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of money. It's a lot. Um, and you know, it's, uh, we, sports have come a long way because we actually, the other day, were talking about how during the war, then, you know, baseball was almost completely canceled, but then, oh, you know, a league of their own, mm-hmm. women got in there and started playing baseball. There's no crying in baseball. Exactly. There's no crying in baseball. So our athletes had to go fight for our country, but, you know, we made sure that sports still happened. And same thing with, you know, I know we're not trying to talk about the pandemic, but same thing. It, it We tried to make it happen. Mm-hmm. People would buy cardboard cutouts of themselves, so they were still supporting their favorite team, and they were there. And I think now that things are starting to open back up, it's just we're itching to go. And actually, I think I've heard uh, several people in this office talk about their kids' sporting events, mm-hmm. that this is like they live for it because we haven't had major sports lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, obviously the big event that uh, has been going on is the the NBA playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and it's, it's interesting to see how different cities are handling the the occupancy and the capacity of the of their of their different stadiums as as the as the uh, tournament has gone on because you know different cities are are like yeah full capacity like you know and other cities are like no we're still going to hold off and do fifty percent capacity and yes. I think all the fans are just like just open it up we want to go and see yeah Salt Lake was one hundred percent capacity yeah oh yeah I mean that's what I think that at the end of the day, no matter what the sport is, they rely on their fans. And, um, you know, that's that's something that actually money in sports. So I talked about that large number, but it's there's a lot of things that contribute to it. And fan-based revenue is probably the biggest source of income for all sports and will continue to drive the industry for as long as sports are around. Fan-based revenue being, I mean, you're, you're talking about like, you know, buying jerseys, uh, attending games, purchasing. Well, so this is support. Like, so merchandise and advertising is separate. So this is just fan-based of, like, going to the games. Going to the games alone. That by itself is the biggest source. Yeah, I think mm. it's, um, is it Rookie of the Year where they've got that great scene and it's just them showing them opening the ballpark and it's just how the science mm-hmm. of it, you know, the gates are opening up and the hot dogs are starting to cook and you've got the beer starting to pour and it's just, like, this magical... Gives me goosebumps. Like I just I, man, know, that movie is so good. Such a good Rosen Gardner, <laughs> funky butt loving. <laughs> but yes, so fan based revenue is the biggest source of income, followed very closely behind merchandise, which would be buying the jerseys, yeah. buying the t shirts, yeah. all of that, and then advertising. Um, and then you know, it's all this money is generated and brought in. But now the question is, what do they do with this money? <laughs> okay, well, uh, let's. Let's discuss what we do with this money. I assume they they, they pay it out. Okay, so I, I have to give my disclaimer. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I, yeah. I went to That's home. why I'm not taking this bullet <laughs> because it's like, okay, this 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 bullet is this bullet has it, Katie it, written all over it. Insert whoever you would like. How about I, them cowboys? I, I say, yeah. I came home from the hospital, I'm pretty sure, in a cowboys outfit. I so I had no choice, but I love the cowboys. The Cowboys, how they work with this money that's coming in is it's like a Fortune 500 company. And honestly, this is every organization, whether you're talking about the St. Louis Cardinals, the Atlanta Braves, the New Orleans Saints, anybody insert into this. 
Because what they are doing is they are creating a budget. They're figuring out how much they can afford to put into their employees, put into their players, how much they expect to get in revenue, yada, yada, all of this stuff. And so it really is run like a business. Mm -hmm. And it's massive organizations with balance sheets and budgets. And so again, it's, you know, you're sitting here watching a baseball game, Mm -hmm. but you're watching a well-fined financial plan set because they know when they open those gates, how many people are going to come in there, how many hot dogs are going to be sold, how many beers are going to be sold. If they've got new new t-shirts to come in, they've got it calculated. Mm -hmm. So we got another list here. This is not a Twitter nugs list. This is not a top five list. This is the Forbes um, 2021 list of the top paid professional athletes. Now this number I want to tell you guys is not their contract number of how much they were getting paid this year and salary wise. This is roping it all together. So my example, our number one paid athlete is Conor McGregor, mm-hmm. UFC, yep. $180 million. Hundred eighty million. He's got a whiskey out there. He made a. He made. He did make a ton of money for his fights, mm-hmm. especially uh, the the Floyd Mayweather fight. I mean, that was just basically a money grab on both their parts. Um, but yeah, he is. He is. He he's he he does he he does well with that whiskey. Yeah. Mm. So I mean, it's this is a number of listing of their other outlets as well. Yeah. So we've got a Lionel Messi. Yeah. I mean, you know. Katie, I can't I can't give you a hard time on how to pronounce this guy's name because <laughs> it looks like Lionel Messi, but it it's he's, he's he's from Barcelona. Barcelona, or at least he plays for Barcelona football. I assume you pronounced it right. Um, I did. Okay, yep. yeah. So it's soccer or football. Mm-hmm. Um, one hundred and thirty million. One hundred and thirty million. Yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo, one hundred and twenty million dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay, number four. This is mine and Cam's guy because you know Cam's converted. Hail State. Woohoo! Dak Prescott, Dallas Cowboys. million. There was some drama behind that deal. It dragged on. Yeah. On. Oh, yeah. For for a whole season, basically, right? I mean, am I not mistaken that that the drama started at the beginning of last season? Yeah, it was all about the franchise tag. Yeah, it drug on for a long time. Mm. And then, obviously, his injury played into it. So, technically, you may be going, what? But Patrick Mahomes is the number one played with Dak second. But, again, guys, this is with the sponsorships and endorsements and everything. So, Mm. this is all lumped. So Dak actually is the number one for NFL and number one in my heart. And this is the Forbes list of top paid athletes and top paid professional athletes in 2021. So yeah. these numbers that we're listing, is this the number that they pulled in in one year? Is this like what they pulled in in 2020? And so they're the top for 2021 or is this, I mean, what, what is this number exactly? Do we know? I would say something, but you know, we're supposed to be supporting you as a dad. That's right. I'm the dad and I asked the question. (sighs) Okay. Well, I was prepared because you do this to me all the time. (laughs) So what this says is in compiling this list, it's their on-field earning figures that accounted for all prize money, salaries, and bonuses in a period spanning from May 1, 2020 to May 1, 2021. Meanwhile, off-field earnings were tabulated through an estimate of sponsorship deals, appearances, fees, licensing income during the same period of time, as well as cash returns from any businesses operated by this athlete. Okay. Mic so, dropped. I don't. Do we say that anymore? So this is basically just one year. This is. This is if one I understood year. What, what you they... just read. It's one year. Can you imagine? I cannot. Okay. I mean, I can. I've told you before. I daydream about how would you spend $180 million? <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll wrap up finishing off this list. So, uh, LeBron James, $96.5 million. Yep. Um, Neymar, 
Paris Saint Germain. I, I assume again that that's another football team. Uh, Ninety-five uh, European football. Uh, Ninety-five million dollars. Uh, you want a couple or? Go ahead, finish it. Okay, uh, Roger Federer. Uh, he's tennis, obviously. Uh, he's got ninety million dollars. Um, Lewis Hamilton. He's an F1 driver. Um, I wonder. I, I, I saw his name and saw that he was an F1 driver. Eighty-two million dollars, by the way. Um, I wonder if he's the young, young man that was on um, David Letterman's show on Netflix recently. Uh, if so, he's he's a very young guy. He's a very talented driver, but he's a very, very young guy, and that makes uh, that that it just makes him all that much more impressive. Number nine. We're at ninth place now. So Tom Brady is ninth place on this list with $76 million. <laughs> and then finally, Kevin Durant, uh, who is now playing for the Brooklyn Nets, uh, is at $75 million. I'm so, surprised there are no golfers on this list. I mean, this is mainly NFL, soccer, and uh, yeah. NBA. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's the ones that are bringing in the dough. Yeah. Okay, let's give you a little stats, some statistics here. Uh, so the minimum salary for a one-year contract in the NFL, $610,000. That's the minimum? Minimum. That is the minimum. The The lowest paid player on the team makes at least $610,000 Some for a random full sitting on the bench. For a full one-year contract. One-year contract. $610,000. Yes. And we're, we're going to dive a little deeper into that in a second. The average, I thought this was interesting, the average NFL water boy is making around $53,000. He, he's spitting my cooler. <laughs> That's, I, I mean, I pictured him. What was Bobby Boucher? Bobby Boucher. Yeah. Bobby Boucher. My mama, my, 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 my mama said. The medulla oblongata. <laughs> I know a lot of people in, in Memphis, for instance, that are making way less than $50,000 that could probably carry some water out to the exactly. team on the field. Exactly. And know? gladly be able to be a water boy. And listen, I'm not, for, for those out there that are professional water boys, I'm not I'm not diminishing what it That's is awesome. you contribute. I'm sure it's great. But, I mean, that is a... That, it, I'd be interested to know what all water boys have to do for that fifty-three grand because that's a that's a pretty nice pay. Well, in Space Jam, I mean, the plot was almost centered around that magical water. Remember when he convinced the the team that it was special <laughs> that special true. juice? Yep. Water is so important. It is. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, average NFL player is making about eight hundred and sixty thousand. So we hear about these high numbers, but the average player is making about that. Running backs are typically the lower end of the pay scale. They get pretty banged up during games and typically only last about three years in the NFL. Hmm. That's bananas that they're on the lower end. There's, yeah. uh, the, the owner of the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers used to always say that the, the the people that he paid the least were, well, not paid the least, but he would he paid he did not pay high for wide receivers because he felt like you know they didn't touch the ball that many times during the game so he would pay his quarterback and pay his running backs mm-hmm. but he wouldn't pay he wouldn't pay the wide receivers as high i i think he might have stepped away from that from that uh, philosophy but for a while there that was that was his logic yeah well and it's you're leaning into the point of every team every franchise has their own way of how they do things and what yeah. they put pride into it uh, kickers last the longest in the NFL. They average play time about seven years. But so that's kind of what I want you, you've heard me say one year contracts, seven year contracts, three years contract. Keep that in the back of your mind. But let's go back to an origin story. So let's go back in time. I feel like uh, uh, Wayne's World, like, and Court's looking at me like I'm an idiot. No, no, I'm I'm just, you know me, I'm peering around my microphone at you. Peering around. Sports culture. 
it's changed. You know, we started this episode talking about how, you know, baseball almost didn't happen. Our athletes were going off to war. They were fighting our country. They were fighting for our country. They were trying to do what they could. Things have changed so much. And it's been because of money in this industry. It's been because of the media, average, all of it. Well, you know what Cindy Lauper says? She says, money, money changes everything. <laughs> I don't know. You said Cindy Lauper, and I just thought love is a battlefield. I was saying girls just want to have fun. <laughs> love is a battlefield is that's um, Pat Benatar. Oh, it is Pat Benatar. Oh my lanta! Crap. <laughs> my bad. I'm not. I know songs, but I do not know who goes with what. And mm. That's terrible. Mm. My fault. Everyone shame me for that. It's okay. Love is a shame. battlefield. Okay. So when I say sports have changed in today's world, let's let's take basketball for example. Okay. Can, Where are we taking? Kid in fifth grade, he may be identified as potential. Then by eighth grade, starting to get recruited by colleges. And before you know it, agents are sniffing around because they want to get their hands on the next talent. Mm -hmm. And thus creates the posse. The entourage. I mean, yes, that great show on HBO was around a movie star, but it's the same premise. It's these people... The, the hangers on, the ones that see dollar signs, and they see that they want to be associated with that person because they're going to be the next big thing. It's parents, it's family, it's friends, agents. They all want their finger in the cookie jar. So, they're, I mean, that's it's it starts as early as fifth grade or earlier than that. Who knows? Did you know there's even high schools that uh, sports agents actually work with? And they're academies that develop these players. Hmm. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy world out there. Mm. Colleges, I think, are even talking about allowing the players to start building their brand and getting paid for they their are. brand. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Ca- I mean, California was on the leading edge there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's honestly, I don't know how much that was driven by the colleges. It was more driven by the states. Uh, a lot of states are passing laws saying basically... You can, you know, you can, you can earn money off your image, off your, off your personal image. You know, that's, yeah. that's yours to sell as you wish. For instance, the NCAA football games, mm. I can start making money off of that. Yeah. And so, I mean, these parents are, you know, we sit there and talk about the pageant moms and how they are like living vicariously through their kids and they're like really pushing them. But the sports parents that are pushing these kids and I mean, there's been countless movies and TV shows about the kids are homeschooled or they like it's always practice 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 and education is very small and as a whole i gotta throw out there like we are very lacking as a society in financial literacy mm-hmm. and um you know apf um, american public education foundation that we have a lot to do with that david pickler uh started that cam does a lot with thanks um, for the plug katie yeah, uh, they very much are adamant about financial literacy because right now there is only six states that require just one semester of financial management in high school. And I mean, we're sitting here doing a whole podcast that I'm hoping is going to be going on for years and years to come because we're telling you guys how important it is. And we're only doing one semester in high schools in six states. Yeah, that's crazy. It's, it is crazy. If you consider the fact that not every child is going to go to uh, post high school education. Yeah. Like, especially now that we're starting to give kids in high school the fundamental skills that they need to succeed in a vocation right after high school. It's it's workforce development. We've got it here in, in Collierville at our high school. These kids are, are learning skills that they can put to use immediately after graduation. And 
so you've got an 18 year old that's going out there, possibly leaving home, possibly taking a job, moving out on their own for the first time. And they may have no idea about any of the stuff that we talk about on a regular ba- basis on this podcast. Yeah. So, and that's not, not here and here in, in, in Collierville and in Shelby County, we're, 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 you know, we're, tr- we're getting the financial literacy going, but in those, in those other places that don't even have a semester of it, that's crazy. Another plug next month. APEF will be releasing their financial literacy report card where ah. we grade each state based on their standards, courses, wow, all of that. So imagine a kid that, okay, let me just, I'm sidetracking you a little bit, but okay. not by much. We, we, you know, we are, uh, Collierville is a, is a town outside of Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, Tennessee has two things in abundance. Great basketball players who are also very poor. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times these young basketball players who are true talents and who are going to go somewhere in the NBA, uh, their, their, their entire family's hopes are pinned on their success. Yeah. And so they're driven to get out of high school as quickly as possible and start making money as quickly as possible. That's why so many, uh, so many players now are looking at going to the NBA's G League if they can't jump straight from high school to playing professionally for the NBA, they'd rather go to the G League where they can get paid than go to college where they can get a scholarship but not get paid. And so the the, the G League is really a potential chaos maker for the for for the college system for the NC2A. But if they do do that, if they go into the G League, or let's say somebody like LeBron who jumps straight from high school to the the professional to to NBA, you know, level playing basketball that on that rare occasion when a high schooler does that jump, think about how old they are when they do that. LeBron being 18 years old, having a huge contract. Yeah. I mean, and think about what you were doing when you first got out of high school. Like you, we all have made dumb decisions. And so, you know, wrapping it back to what you're saying is that these kids are trained and they're bred to be like, they have talent. They do have pure talent and they're going to be the next best thing, hopefully. But their parents are seeing them as meal tickets and they, they are relying on them and putting so much pressure on them. And at the end of the day, there's only so few that actually make it. Mm-hmm. Remember I said just under 12,000, I mean 1,200, 1,200 people make it to the NFL because there's limits. So unless they're going to start making more NFL teams... There's only a certain number of people that get to play. And so you're banking on people retiring or opening up spots. And that's what we're putting so much pressure on these athletes. And we're not teaching them about financial literacy, about general education. We're not coming up with their backup plan. And that's where this episode I kind of wanted to go into is that we've prepared these people to be the next best thing. But what happens if they're not? Or what happens if they are and they do not have that financial education to know what to do when that big paychecks comes to them? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so many of those athletes end up going broke. And that's kind of what we want to talk about is, so Russell Davis, he was a running back with the 79 Super Bowl champ Pittsburgh Steelers. He was totally unprepared for the money that came with his success. And um, he remembered when he was cut by the Steelers after a five-year career, he had to give up his big house. He had to give up the car. He had to figure out how to go back to a normal life. And, I mean, this is common. Sports Illustrated actually said that the estimated 78% 
of NFL players are either bankrupt or under financial stress within two years of retirement, and it's 60% for baseball players within five years of leaving the sport. 78% and 60%. And that's mind-blowing to me. 78% of of football players. And the the lowest paid person on a team makes $610,000 in one year. The lowest paid player. Yeah. Paid player. Think about it. It's it's the cookie jar philosophy of so you know you you're sitting there going and making four hundred fifty thousand six hundred ten thousand making all this great money, but what if you get injured? What if you get cut? Then you're now having to go from making six hundred ten thousand dollars to forty five thousand dollars a year. It's very hard if you don't have your ducks in a row. Um, you know. As a rookie, you're like, oh, I've got all this great money. I'm going to buy a luxury car. I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to take care of my parents who have supported me all these years. I'm going to take care of my friends because now I'm blessed and have all this money. i got to buy the bling. i got to live the life. I've got to pay my PR person, my attorney, my agent. Because when you hear those big contract numbers... Think about where all that money's going other think, than just... Think uh, about it. That guy that has that huge contract is paying a lot of people from that money that he's getting from that huge contract. Yeah, agents get anywhere from 3 to 6%. And I mean, that that's a lot. So, you know, we sit there and talk about that the fry tax and the ice cream tax. Well, you know, if you're sitting there doing the numbers, you're like, okay, I'm making this much, but how much of it is already allocated out? Yeah. And it's these guys are keeping up with the Joneses and they're, they're successful. They want to live the life. Because we've also now made these athletes, I mean, idolized. They're celebrities. So we, what would, what would society think if you know, let's say Dak Prescott is driving around an old hoopty truck, and um, you know, just not wearing designer clothes, wearing old navy or something. I don't know, like faded glory. People, people would probably chew him up and be like, "Well, what, what's, what's he doing? Why isn't he not dressing nice? Why is he not having his image?" All about the brand. There yeah. was a uh, there was a football player that got murdered, and I remember reading the article. He got murdered by his ex girlfriend or his ex wife. I can't remember which it was, but I remember reading the article, and the, it said his body was found in his apartment. And I thought to myself, this was a, this was a star football player. This was not just some chump that, whose name you wouldn't have heard. This was a star football player whose body was found in his apartment. And I thought, how in the world was he living in an apartment when he when he was as big as he was? But you know, because you, you you think about it, you are flooded all of this money, and society as a whole, we all want that immediate gratification. We've been gifted all this money, and we're not thinking about the future. We're thinking about I want to buy this now. But in the lifetime of a football player, it's extremely short. It is so short. And you never know if your contract's going to be renewed. Like, I'm sorry, I mean, the Cowboys fans, I got to go back to it. Dak, I mean, he had that fatal, I was there when that injury it wasn't happened. fatal, but it was, <laughs> it was a terrible. brutal. It yeah. could, brutal, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Brutal injury. He it died. Was, <laughs> I mean, he could have, his career could have died. His that, career could have, could have ended. And it could have, and he could have, if he had not taken care of, and I don't know what his financial situation is at all, but at that moment when he fell and that hit happened, it could have been it. Mm-hmm. Would he have been prepared for the rest of his life? Who knows? So you have a specific tale to tell 
and, and you even you, you I know that you know how to say this name. Oh well, so. and before that, I, oh. I got to go back and have anybody seen the show Ballers? Oh yeah, with yeah, Dwayne yeah. Johnson. No, I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. It's really awesome. I actually started watching it when I started here because I thought, oh okay, like I like The Rock, and he's a financial advisor. Well, he is an ex ex football player, I guess retired football player, and decided he wanted to get into the industry to help these young players learn how to manage their money because mm-hmm. there is that 78%. So it's a good show. Um obviously, you know, HBO takes their liberties with making it entertaining and fun, mm-hmm. but I read a bunch of articles and it it is pretty true to what actually is going on in the professional athlete industry and I mean, you got Jerry Maguire, like that's another great one that talks oh, about with fantastic. the agents and you know, he's all about Cuba Gooding's like show, show me the coin, show me the money. But you think about Cuba Gooding Jr.'s like, Jerry, Jerry, I got my wife, I got my cousin Tito, I got this, I got that. Like, he has the whole family he has to take care of because they all have mooched. Yeah, my neighbor is a professional athlete, and he's so young, such a young guy. And it's encouraging to see him. You like how Cam just like dropped it? Yeah, my neighbor's professional athlete. And I'm not saying who he is or (laughs) who he plays for. But uh, it's encouraging. He doesn't live in a mansion by any means. He Mm -hmm. seems to have his head on his shoulders. He's not blowing through his cash. So that's good. That's good. That is very good. Because there are also a lot of people out there that probably are looking to take advantage of the the sports stars and sports heroes that we all revere, but they don't know what they're doing with their money. And yep. there are people out there that have no scruples that will have no yeah. problem taking all their money away. They're extremely vulnerable. And that's what we're saying is that, you know, society has changed, that they're not teaching these kids to not trust everybody. And so if they're an 18 year old, just got this great deal in the NBA they're going to trust somebody and they may take all their money or just, you know, give them wrong advice. So yes, now court, I will say my story. Um, and of course you put me on the spot now, like questioning myself. Can I say it right? Give it a try. The Bobby Bonilla contract. Yes. Yes. Okay. So Bobby Bonilla, most people have probably heard of him. If you've watched anything sports related or ESPN, he was a former baseball player for the Mets. Actually also played with the St. Louis Cardinals, my other little team. (laughs) He retired in 2001 and hasn't played for the Mets since 1999, then onto the cards. Yet he is among the highest paid player on the Mets payroll. What? Yes. So July 1st is widely known as Bobby Bonilla Day because this is the day he gets paid. And he specifically gets paid $1,193,248 and 20 cents. That's so specific. That's that. That is the exact amount. This deal was in 2000. The Mets agreed to buy out Bonilla's remaining 5.9 million contract. He was smart. He had good people advising him. Instead of getting the cash up front, which instant gratification a lot of us want, he agreed to hold off and not get paid till 2011, but agreed to give him 1.19 million per year for 25 years. So he will continue to get paid until 2035. That's fantastic. Mm, That's amazing. Brilliant, brilliant planning. So he has set a guaranteed paycheck. Mm -hmm. For a big portion of his life. For pretty much his whole life. I think he's going to be like 72, 70, something like that. And so his, you know, it's a guaranteed 8% interest rate. The Mets are going to pay him nearly $29.8 million. That's more than double the value of the contract if he had taken it flat out in cash. 
So not only did he make a smart move to really like, you know, ration it out over his life, but he's getting more money. And, you know, this deal is something that if he does pass away, it does have a, you know, a good attorney was involved with this one doing the contract mm -hmm. because he makes sure it goes to his heirs as well. So if he passes away, Excellent. it will That's go. Good. That's good. Yep. Um, and yeah, so it's one of those that a lot of people go, okay, well, he, you know, screwed over the team by doing this, but actually it freed up their liquidity mm -hmm. because then now they had cash flow. That they yeah. Did having... that open up cap space? I wonder. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, they now know they have that on their records, but it's also a constant thing. No. Yeah. And they didn't have to upfront all of that money. Yeah. So what this really teaches us is the benefit of the long-term and not being tempted by the short-term impulse. And, it, you know, you sit there and think about using the loans, using other people's money and not having to have all this money up front that if you can rationalize and not have that temptation of give it all to me now mm -hmm. and space it out, you're setting yourself up so much better. How it's, did I wonder how he lived for the uh, 10 years that he wasn't so he, getting he paid. Was, so he left the Mets and then went to play for the Cardinals for a little while. Okay, so he didn't quit playing. He didn't quit playing. He quit playing with the Mets in 1999, but then he went and played for the Cardinals, so he probably worked a deal with the Cardinals payment then. Hmm. Um, How long did he play for the Cards? A couple years, I think. Hmm. Okay. But so what's what I thought was interesting is it... You know, we all know this because of his contract and how smart he was with this. But I'm sure the guy would really like to be remembered for being a six-time All-Star, uh, you know, hit almost 300 home runs in his career and, you know, batted over, I don't know how to say it. Batted over 300. 300, thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm like, batted over .300. Um so, as anything, you know, the saying with baseball, once you're done with baseball, all that's left is your name. And so, Bobby, everyone knows about him, but it's definitely for his contract and not necessarily for his playing. But you know what? The Mets didn't stop with Bobby. No, they did not. <laughs> they are actually still paying former outfielder Daryl Strawberry, 1.6 annually, and pitcher Brett Saberhagen? Saberhagen. Let's go with it. Um, he still gets 250 k each year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Ken Griffey Jr. worked a, a deferred deal for his $12 million salary. So he's still making over $3 million every year through 2024. Mm -hmm. and so then, there are some some guys out there that structured pretty good deals for themselves. Oh, yeah. Um, Gretzky, A-Rod, Babe Ruth, Matt Holliday, Pujols, Kevin Garrett. All of them have worked out some kind of deferred. And then I want Cam to talk about the other guy that's actually worked out. Because I think I think it would make him a little happy. Are we talking about Zebo? Yes. Zebo. Zach Randolph, yes, who was sir. part of the core four Grizzlies. Yes. Grit and grind, baby. Grit and grind, baby. Go Grizzlies. <laughs> okay, yeah. So Zebo obviously had great people helping him out. Um, he actually did two different contracts. Uh, one that was when he was with the Blazers. It was a six-year deal, $84 million, um, in 04. And he had 20% of it, which was about $25 million. Uh, allocated to go over from 2012 to 2017 when he started with our beloved Grizzlies. He also signed a four-year deal for $66 million in 2011 and deferred almost $10 million. So, you know, Zebo had the nice, like, have your cake and, you know, or what is it? What's that phrase? You can have your cake and eat it too? Yeah. So, yeah, he, like, let himself have a little cake now, 
But then he made sure that, you know, he was taken care of later down the road. Zebo is also a, a, a good citizen. Uh, as, a, as a professional basketball player, he was a good citizen for our city, certainly. Uh, so he's not just using uh, getting paid wisely, but then he's also using his money uh, and and spending it on worthy causes. Uh, he's a he's a good guy. So yeah, but it's you know the the athletes are end up being broke because they haven't managed their money, and that's why you see a lot of them partnering up with car dealerships and selling cars, or like moving back to their hometown where they're a recognized name, and people will pay for them to show up to you know different events or pay for endorsements and stuff like that. And it's Trust me, it's probably not that they want to be doing that. I mean, some people will probably do endorsements and stuff, but they would do it for free. These people are doing it because they need to have an income. They blew through all their money because their careers were over at such a young age, and now they have their rest of their life. It's it's the basic of financial planning. We tell people it's, you know, you work this whole time. Now we need to work with you to make sure that all that money you made while you were working is going to be there for you for you to have where you don't outlive your money. You know, it's interesting. I just, this is completely off the sports talk, but I was reading an article the other day. Well, it is Father's Day, so I'll let you go off. Yeah, yeah. Reading an article the other day about an actress whose name is is Charisma Carpenter. She played Cordelia Chase in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the spinoff Angel. Um, And she was, there, there was an article recently about some stuff that she came out in the press and said, um, and she was really, really worried about how this was going to affect her career, but specifically she was worried about how it was going to affect the fans feelings about her because the majority of her career right now and the majority of her income comes from going to conventions. Mm-hmm. It's so, so if, if the fans thought negatively of what she said, then it would impact her ability to earn a living at the convention. So yeah, yeah, whether it's sports stars or actors or whatever, a lot of these people are are going out and doing things like conventions and stuff because it's a major source of revenue for them. It is. It makes me think of Seventh Heaven a few years ago, probably five or six years ago. It came out that the the dad in Seventh Heaven did some pretty bad things, and so they stopped showing the show everywhere, and that affected royalties for the entire cast. Yeah, oh, yeah. it was a bad the, deal. The yeah. reputation is so important. But how you can relate it, you're going, okay, well, I don't think I'm ever going to be an NFL star. But it's one of those, like, if you've been gifted an inheritance, a large sum of money, or something happens in your life and you have rolled into a good amount of money, you've got to just remember in the back of your head, you know, there's instant gratification or there's deferred gratification and that you can really space it out to take care of you for the rest of your life. Because it's, we talked about the net worth um, the other day, or other episode, and uh, how millionaires you know it's gone within the second or third generation yeah. all the money's yeah. gone because people get into money and blow it mm-hmm. the, the, the kid doesn't have the work ethic of the parent or the you know doesn't doesn't have a lot of times the the, the wealthiest people somehow they have they have financial restraint they have the the ability and they the, they have everything that it takes to build a a, a good amount of money and for some reason, that's not getting passed along to generations down the line. And so it is important, whether you're a sports star or just somebody who's trying to build your own your own fortune or, you know, whatever. It's important to, to know about this financial stuff. That financial literacy is yeah. important. I mean, now it's not always the dads, but I just, I think it's kind of wrapping it back to some of the dad comments about, you know, we're not made of money. Turn the lights off. Like, I just picture some of these, like, 
athletes and stuff that have their act together still yelling at their kids like, we're not made of money, like turn this light off, even though they're, you know, sitting in a very nice house and they are kind of at the moment made of money because mm-hmm. they're making a lot. But it's just, you know, our, the dads, if you're the dad listening to this right now, you be that financial anchor that kind of keeps everybody level-headed of no matter what you have. And it's a balancing act. We <laughs> And if you're a mom listening to this right now... You can do it too. Give that dad a break. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something you that... You didn't even mention the, the, uh, the, the Target Dads video. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, the Target Dads. If you haven't watched the Target Dad video, it's hilarious. It's the... Um, and obviously it's a spoof, but it's the dads all realized that there were several other dads sitting in the parking lot while their wives were in shopping. And so they all started kind of like starting to, you know, be friends and mingle and hang out. Next thing, another tailgating. (laughs) Next thing, you know, there's one of them's driving a minivan and they're watching a movie and got (laughs) snacks and the moms are come out and like, what is going on? Target bills. I tell you what, my thing as a father is those target bills. Target hits me so many times a month. It comes up on my statement so many times a month, and I'm just like, Target. <laughs> but so and one of the, you Target. Yeah, but one of the things my dad, David Pickler, says all the time is um, when we're doing financial plans with people and talking to them about their overall thing is we want to make sure that. It's a balancing act that you're living life. You are allowing yourself those target splurges. You're doing what you want to be doing and having fun, but you're also thinking of the bigger picture and thinking of the future. So it truly is the balancing act. So dads, it's your day. So I'm going to make it where you are the ones that have to balance. The ball is in your court to make sure that you're the balancing for your family. Balls. Because of sports, sports because balls. Because of sports, yeah. yeah. Or I don't um, know, the grills, like, I mean, I haven't even picked just, on the dads for the whole dad uniform and, you know, y'all Dad just, bod. Dad bod. I mean, there's so many jokes about the dads. Yeah, thanks thanks, thanks to COVID. I'm going to continue to blame it on COVID for probably a while now, <laughs> even though we're, we're coming out on the other end. But thanks to COVID, I definitely have a very strong dad bod going. I need to work on that. Hey, Cameron, what are you going to do for Father's Day? I am going to mow the lawn and then just stare at it with pride while sipping on a brewski. Wow, that is not at all what sounds like my favorite thing to do. I'll probably actually, I'll probably just ask for some free time. Yeah, I don't, I don't want. Yeah, I don't want physical things. I just want. A little me time. Yes, yes, indeed. What about you, Court? I have no idea. Uh, I, I assume. I mean, I still have. You know, I, I, I'm going to go see my dad. Obviously, uh, he's Aww. he's my favorite person in the world. So, uh, going to go see him, um, and uh, you know, probably hang out with him for a little while. He'll probably be watching golf if there's a tournament going on that day, and we'll sit and shoot see? the breeze for a little while. Sports and dads, it yep. goes together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't even like golf, but my dad does, so we'll sit there and watch it. Oh. I get into it. I mean, but golf just, golf made me such a miserable, miserable person when I tried to play it that I just, <laughs> I, I can't watch it. I, I do. I can watch it. I, I do watch it, but I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> golf sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there okay. goes our golf well, endorsements. <laughs> Katie, how do you boil this episode down into one or two proper takeaways for the people? What is your bullseye? Okay. My bullseye is going to be about, yes. It's tempting. You want it now, but really having that balance of knowing that you don't need to have that instant gratification. You can, you know, it's, it's again, it's have a little bit, have a taste of it, but think about the bigger picture. Think about that deferred gratification and how you can really 
take this gift that you were given, whether you're a highly paid athlete that's, you know, been given this great contract or you've been inherited money or something has happened where you've gotten this great money or you just have a great job that you've worked your butt off for, make sure you think about that not doing instant gratification, but that deferred gratification. Yes, okay. Bullseye. And my bullseye is financial literacy. It's all about financial literacy. What what the, this whole episode has been talking about sports stars and 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 professional athletes and how that what kills them is the fact that they don't know how to manage their money. Mm-hmm. So I, I congratulate those people that listen to these uh, podcasts that we do and have actually taken away some good messages from them. But I encourage you to take it one step further and make sure that financial literacy is being taught to the most important people that it needs to be taught to, and that is your kids as well. Because those kids can grow up, they can enter, they could end up being, you know, coming into some money, and it's important for them to know what they should do with that money. So if you if you're not in the state of Tennessee, if you live in one of those states that's not the six states that actually have financial literacy as a program in the schools, then you should start advocating in your state for schools to start adding that as a program. Just a semester, even a semester can make a huge difference. Financial literacy is important. That is all. Bullseye. Okay, before you start, Court, I've got to throw in. You said your dad was your best friend. You're going to watch golf with him. Well, i got to talk about my dad. Dad, you're awesome. Thank you for making me know a good bit about sports by taking me to a World Series game when the Cardinals were in it. Woohoo! And uh, going to tons and tons of Cowboys games across, you know, my life and all kinds of different sporting events. Kentucky Derby, everything. Thanks, Dad. And since your dad is my boss, I'll tell tell him uh, thank you as well for being such a great boss. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to spend my Father's Day with my father. Um, okay. There's the closing bell, Katie. Ladies and gentlemen. Can I spend Father's Day with David? Is that cool? <laughs> sure. You're like, a, you were on a group family text for a long time, Cam. I kind of feel like his son. My <laughs> husband wasn't on it, but Cam was. You know. Okay, continue. <laughs> This just got really awkward for me because now I feel left out. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you've made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast podcast. This is episode 54. If you liked what you heard and you've never heard us before, why not? Well, I can tell you how you can fix that forevermore. You go to your favorite podcast subscription service, you subscribe to our podcast, and our podcast will get beamed straight to your phone every single Thursday. Beam me up, Scotty. I am freaking pumped right now. (laughs) Just do it. Download it now. Download the podcast. Learn about money or all of the other random things that we talk about. If you'd like to find out more about me and Katie and the podcast or leave us a message or suggest a topic for an episode, you can do that on our website. That website is bullcastpodcast.com. If you'd like to look at some pictures of me and Katie, maybe you can watch the progress as I try to slowly claw my way back out of dad bod by checking us out on Instagram. You can do it! That Instagram handle is at bullcastpodcast. And also, we occasionally put the words on the Twitters and the Twitter handle is also at Bullcast Podcast. Are you seeing a pattern here, people? Okay, finally, Katie and I work for a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And our boss is David Pickler, as we mention frequently. If you'd like to find out more about Pickler Wealth Advisors, our amazing team, and our amazing boss, and Katie's amazing father, then check out PicklerWealthAdvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. 
Bingo. Ladies and gentlemen, I feel like I've given you everything you need to go forth and be merry. So for now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. I'm Cam. I'm going to go cut the grass and drink a beer. We out. We out.